This show is brought to you by Helix Sleep. Sleep, especially as you get older, is so critical, but no two people sleep alike. That's why Helix offers several different mattress models, each designed for specific sleep positions and preferences. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailywire and take their sleep quiz to find the mattress made for you. Whether you're a side sleeper, a stomach sleeper, a hot sleeper, or a cold sleeper, Helix has just the mattress for you. I took the Helix sleep quiz and was matched with a Helix midnight mattress because I wanted a medium firmness and I sleep on my side. I am sleeping so much better on my new mattress. Don't want to take my word for it? Well, Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Take the quiz and order the perfect mattress right to your door, shipped for free. It's so quick and fun to unbox, and you won't believe how well you'll sleep. All Helix mattresses come with a 100-night trial and a 10- or 15-year warranty. Helix even offers financing options and flexible payment plans. A great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and a free bedroom bundle for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com dailywire and use code HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. That's helixsleep.com slash dailywire, code HELIXPARTNER20. Today on the Matt Wall Show, fentanyl deaths reached record levels again this past year. Meanwhile, the Biden administration is doing everything it can to open the border and let the poison keep streaming into our communities. Also, a school shooter in Iowa reportedly identified as gender fluid. Why are we seeing so many LGBT mass shooters? Plus, a man in California claims that his car was vandalized by a Nazi. And multiple very credible reports suggest that 10-foot-tall aliens have invaded a mall in Miami, so that's interesting. Finally, speaking of aliens, Madonna is on tour and embarrassing herself repeatedly on stage. We'll talk about all that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. Balance of nature, fruits and veggies are a great way to make sure you're getting essential nutritional ingredients every single day. Balance of nature uses an advanced cold vacuum process that encapsulates fruits and vegetables into whole food supplements without sacrificing their natural antioxidants. The capsules are completely void of additives, uh, fillers, extracts, synthetics, pesticides, or added sugar. The only thing in balance of nature's fruits and veggie capsules, capsules are, well, fruits and veggies. Right now, not only will my listeners get 35% off your first order, you'll now get a free fiber and spice supplement as well. Balance of Nature's Fiber and Spice Supplement is a revolutionary fiber drink with a unique blend of 12 spices and whole foods. Our office loves Balance of Nature and uses it every day. There's never been an easier way to make sure we're getting our daily dose of fruits and vegetables experience. Balance of Nature for yourself today. Go to balanceofnature.com and use promo code Walsh for 35% off your first preferred order uh, plus, get a free bottle of fiber and spice. That's balanceofnature.com. Promo code Walsh for 35% off your first preferred order, plus a free bottle of fiber and spice. Towards the end of last year, the Biden administration launched what it claimed was a major crackdown on the fentanyl supply that uh, appears uh, that enters in this country from China. As Associated Press reported, in one of the biggest actions the administration has taken against fentanyl tra trafficking, the U.S. on Tuesday announced a series of indictments and sanctions against 14 people and 14 firms across China and Canada related to the import of the drug to the United States. Now, one of the targets of these sanctions was a company 
based in China that provides pill dyes for a counterfeit oxycodone. The spokesman for the Treasury Department called the sanctions, quote, the latest step in the rapid scaling up of our work targeting the financial flows that power the global illicit drug trade. So they made a big show of the whole process as a way of convincing people that they're doing something about fentanyl trafficking, particularly from China. Now, what the Biden administration didn't announce publicly is that behind the scenes, they were making it much easier for illegal migrants from China to enter this country. They were doing the opposite of sanctioning Chinese criminals. They were making life easier for them. They were facilitating their entry into the country. According to reporting this week from the Daily Caller, beginning in April of 2023, U.S. Customs and Border Protection dramatically changed the vetting process for Chinese citizens entering the United States illegally. Instead of asking these illegal aliens around 40 questions, Border Patrol headquarters instructed agents to ask just five questions. And specifically, agents are told to ask about um, the Chinese migrants' military service, universities, place of birth, employment, and political party. If they answer those questions without any red flags, they're now released into the United States with a court date several years in the future that we just hope they'll show up for, but of course they won't. These illegals are no longer asked questions about their firearm use, connections to human trafficking, drug trafficking, prior arrests, among many other issues that you think would be relevant. The upshot is that instead of spending hours deciding whether to allow a single illegal alien from China into this country, now Border Patrol can clear a Chinese migrant in like a few minutes. They're no longer presumptively turned back to China. Instead, they're presumptively allowed into the United States. And once they're in this country, these Chinese nationals, people we effectively haven't screened, are free to do whatever they want. If they're transporting fentanyl, they can distribute it. If not, they can do what thousands of Chinese nationals are currently doing in Mexico. They can coordinate the distribution and manufacturing of the drug. And we really have no idea what they're going to do. The Biden administration's policy as of early last year is to make sure that no one has any idea what these Chinese nationals are doing in this country. Now, all this is to say, contrary to White House press releases, there is, in fact, no serious effort to punish the countries that are responsible for the vast majority of fentanyl in this country. In fact, there's a, a deliberate effort to make it easier for illegal aliens to come to the United States along with whatever they happen to be carrying. That's true of Chinese migrants as well as migrants from pretty much every other country. And how is that working out exactly? Well, here's one way to measure the consequences. In 2023, all across the country, fentanyl deaths hit record levels. In Seattle, which doesn't enforce drug laws at all, there were a total of 1,060 fentanyl overdoses last year. That's an increase of more than 30%, which is dramatic, from 2020 when 717 people died in fentanyl-related deaths in King County. So that's just one small, relatively small region area of the country, and that's the number of deaths they're dealing with. And if you go back a few years earlier, in 2015, a grand total of just three people in all of King County OD'd on fentanyl. So we went from three to over 1,000. Now, Seattle is um, a completely different city. Fentanyl is, uh, because of this, they're just, they've been transformed and not for the better. Fentanyl is now so prevalent in Seattle that people walking downtown often see paramedics and police officers responding to overdoses. Just a, this is a normal thing to see now. A few days ago, for example, one local journalist uh, recorded one of those moments. He caught up with a man who had just overdosed a few minutes before, and let's see how that played out. Unbelievable. It looks like uh, 
Seattle PD along with fire just saved the dude ODing. Oh. Was he overdosing right here? Yeah, no, no, he was right, right there by the cardboard. Yeah. You think it was fentanyl? Oh, thanks. Yeah, man. How come he's not taking services? Hey, you okay? Come on, man. You okay? Oh, man. You okay? I'm perfectly fine. They just saved your life, man. Yeah, I don't need a life saving, dude. I've been smoking this shit for 20 years, dude. Yeah, I'm 100% okay. Why don't you just go to the hospital for a checkup? You don't need to follow me. Follow All right. me. I'm going to go that way. All right. So you notice how routine this is for everybody involved. The police and the firemen aren't phased by it. They're just kind of walking away. Not remotely shocked that the guy who was just overdosing is walking away, practically promising to overdose again as quickly as possible. You also notice the other guy, when he's asked, well, was he overdosing on fentanyl? He said, yeah, definitely. It was just assumed. Well, of course he was overdosing on fentanyl because everybody is. Now, it definitely isn't unique to Seattle. It's happening in pretty much every big city. Sacramento County also saw record fentanyl deaths last year. And in L.A., the Los Angeles Times just reported that, quote, for the first time in recent years, fentanyl surpassed methamphetamine as the most common drug listed as a cause of overdose deaths. Fentanyl was blamed in almost 60% of all accidental drug or alcohol overdoses in 2022. Since 2016, the L.A. Times reported overdoses in Los Angeles County, quote, have increased almost threefold, and there were about 200 more overdose deaths in 2022 than in 2021. 2023 was also San Francisco's deadliest year for drug overdoses on record. And once again, fentanyl was involved in the vast majority of those deaths. This is a city, by the way, that, that banned vaping. You can't, you can't vape in San Francisco because that's unhealthy. But, I mean, you could die of fentanyl overdose. And instead of rounding up the drug dealers and removing them from the streets, the city is encouraging the creation of more open-air drug markets. That's their solution. They want more treatment, quote-unquote, for drug addicts, which means no punishment, no consequences whatsoever. Watch. We have seen record number of over deaths due to overdose in San Francisco. Through the end of November, 752 people have died this year as a result of accidental overdoses in San Francisco. That's already more than the deadliest year on record, 2020, when there were 726 deaths. The majority of these preventable deaths continue to be driven by fentanyl. At a news conference, Dr. Hillary Cunnins of San Francisco's Department of Public Health says officials are working to improve access to drug use treatment. Removing barriers to medications for addiction treatment, which are the most effective way to prevent death and overdose in people who have an opioid use disorder. Now, when they say drug treatment in San Francisco, what they're really saying is they're going to invest in more so-called safe injection sites, which of course is an oxymoron. There's no way to safely inject yourself with poison. A year ago, San Francisco enlisted an army of nonprofits to operate these open-air drug markets, which are ways for druggies to get high in public without violating the law. And the results have been predictably catastrophic, but San Francisco isn't changing their policy. In fact, they say this is the only way to stop. The only way to stop this is to do more of this. You know, the way that you stop it is you aggressively crack down on the drugs, and especially on the people who are bringing the drugs and selling them. You aggressively uh, chase them down and you throw them in a cage for the rest of their lives at a minimum. That's one thing you can do with the drug dealers. But that's not what we're doing. And so we're seeing this all across the country as, uh, as this, as this uh, collective slow motion suicide 
at the hands of fentanyl continues. New York City has similar safe injection sites. And how's that working out? Well, it's hard to say exactly because New York is, is a, little, uh, a little slower to report their data from 2023, but their numbers from 2022 show a similar spike. Late last year, New York's health department revealed that there were 3,026 overdose deaths in New York City in 2022, which they said was, quote, the highest number of deaths since reporting began in 2000. The authority said that fentanyl was found in more than 80% of those overdose deaths. Overdose deaths. The limited data we do have from 2023 indicates that the surge is just continuing and growing exponentially as it is everywhere in the country. According to a New York special narcotics prosecutor, quote, many people are dying of drug overdoses in New York City uh, more than ever before. In 2022, drug poisonings claimed 3,026 lives in the city, a 12% increase over the prior year. Preliminary data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention suggests the crisis worsened in 2023. Now, some of the stories coming up in New York City certainly suggest that's true. Late last year, for example, a one-year-old boy died of a fentanyl overdose in a daycare in the Bronx. Three other young children were rushed to the hospital. And authorities said the daycare was being used as a fentanyl mill. The husband of the daycare owner promptly fled to Mexico where he was arrested. I mean, this is the kind of crime that would have been unthinkable just a few years ago. But now it's happening, and it's not unthinkable anymore. It's not just adult men dying from fentanyl overdoses, as tragic as that already is. Although they certainly are a large portion of the deaths, women and children are dying too. This is a trend that you'll find in pretty much every major city in the country. And the administration has done nothing to stop these deaths. In the meantime, the federal government has opened up the southern border completely so that these dead Americans are being replaced with foreign nationals. Now, it's easy to become numb to these statistics, but they truly um, have become hard to believe in recent months. I mean, this isn't a real epidemic. We hear the word epidemic used a lot for a lot of things. This is a real epidemic. As of August, we're now at the point that more illegal aliens are being encountered at the southern border every month than are being born to American mothers. And that's according to government statistics. But there's no replacement going on, remember. We can't use the word replacement. But curiously enough, by the way, the government didn't announce those statistics like they announced their pointless sanctions against China. There was no emergency press conference at the White House to explain how it's possible that we're replacing the American population with illegal aliens and what we can do to reverse course. Instead, this government uh, data had to be dug up by a small account on X called Data Hazard. And keep in mind, these numbers are just the illegal migrants that authorities are encountering at the southern border. So these are the people who are caught or turn themselves in. It's just that. And if you look at the chart, it doesn't account for the hordes of illegal migrants who cross into this country completely undetected. So it should be much higher than what you see. What this means is that at the precise moment that fentanyl deaths and drug ODs are hitting record levels, so is the level of illegal migration into this country. We are losing thousands of Americans every month to fentanyl, especially young people, even as we import tens of thousands of criminals, many of them coming from the countries that are making and distributing the fentanyl. And this migration is only going to increase from here. Honduras is reportedly sending thousands of migrants on buses towards this country every day. Why wouldn't they? Central America doesn't have very many livable cities anymore, so they're doing the rational thing, and they're fleeing. 
The problem for Americans, whether they're toddlers in daycare or people trying to live a normal life in Seattle or New York or Los Angeles or any number of other cities, is that we have nowhere else to go. Now let's get to our five headlines. The Daily Mail uh, has the report on the latest school shooting, which happened yesterday. Um, the teenage Iowa school shooter who killed one child and injured five others, including his principal, turned the gun on himself after his rampage. Cops said Dylan Butler, 17, who was a senior at Perry High School, opened fire on Thursday morning, shooting dead a sixth grader who attended Perry's Middle School. Um, uh, Butler was armed with a pump-action shotgun and handgun, both of which are illegal for a 17-year-old to obtain in Iowa. He also had a rudimentary explosive device, which was undetonated and was later rendered safe by fire marshals. 17-year-old died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound by the time first responders arrived at school shortly after 7.40 a.m. The ordeal triggered a mass evacuation of 1,785 students uh, on their first day of classes after winter break. Cops have yet to provide a possible motive. Um, but this was, as I said, just the latest school shooting. And now, uh, th there, are, there are some interesting additional details about this shooter. And Libs of TikTok, one of the only real journalists left in the country, has reported on some of these details. So reading from her posts, uh, breaking Perry High School shooter identified. This is allegedly his TikTok account. There's an image of it, which was already scrubbed. He posted this photo before the shooting from the school bathroom. He appears to be part of the LGBTQ community with the LGBT flag in his bio. In another post, he put the hashtag gender fluid. Um, she then provides examples of, uh, of some of these videos and posts where the shooter uh, posts hashtag gender fluid. He also has a post saying, love your trans kids. And according to Libs of TikTok, his Instagram page has his pronouns listed as he, they. Now, all of these pages have been scrubbed, and it is uh, creepy, to say the least, how quickly this happens. I mean, like, within seconds, I, I, as soon as, and this only happens for certain of these shooters, but when you've got details like LGBT flags and that sort of thing, as soon as we hear about the shooting, you, you go to the person's social media page, it's already down. They've scrubbed everything immediately. And, um, and that's the way it worked here. But this is reportedly what, the, what these uh, social media accounts said. And if that's all the case, then this is yet another LGBT mass shooting. And that, of course, uh, can be added to the Nashville shooting, the shooting in Colorado Springs, Aberdeen, Denver, now Iowa. These are all reportedly trans or quote-unquote gender-fluid shooters. Now, do we know that uh, this guy was consciously motivated by his reported gender-fluid identity to commit this crime? No, we don't know that. And if, we, if he was, we'll never be told. As we saw with the Nashville shooter, of course, you know they're not going to tell us the full story if, in fact, this guy was driven by LGBT radicalization to go and shoot up the school. We're just not going to be told that, so we don't know. We'll never know. Um, it's not hard to see how that might happen, though, because the left constantly claims that LGBT people are under attack, that they're victims, that they're being erased, that they're being targeted by some imaginary genocide, 
And when you take a troubled person and you fill their head with that sort of nonsense, you are giving them the motivation, you're giving them the onus, the perceived moral right and justification and, and, and even necessity to act out violently. So could that have happened here? I don't know. Uh, we'll probably never know. But, but here's what we do know, and this is really the reason why uh, these kinds of details matter. We know that any kid um, who, who is identifying as trans or gender fluid is troubled. So we know that. They have severe emotional and mental problems. And, and that's why we're seeing this emerging pattern of LGBT mass shooters. A kid with mental problems is more likely to identify as trans or non-binary or whatever. And by the way, even the LGBT activists will admit that. Now, they're not going to phrase it that way. And they're certainly not, certainly not going to tie it to mass shootings. But they'll be the first to tell you that uh, the way that they'll put it, though, is that there are mental health comorbidities uh, that are very common with, with kids who identify as trans or gender fluid. Which is just another way of saying that almost all these kids are, are mentally troubled. Um, but the problem is, and, and you might say, well, yeah, if a kid is committing a mass shooting, obviously uh, he's got mental problems. And that's always been the case for as long as there have been school shooters. The issue, though, is that for these quote-unquote trans kids, gender-fluid, non-binary, because their issues are cloaked under the LGBT flag, they don't get the help they actually need. Now, they might be put on psychiatric drugs, okay? I mean, they're all put on psychiatric drugs, and we've talked about the connection between that and mass shootings. But the guidance, you know, and help that they really need, they're not going to get. I mean, a 17-year-old boy saying, I'm gender fluid. That's a red flag right there, okay? So it's, that's a major red flag. Doesn't mean he's going to run out and shoot up a school necessarily, but it, it does mean that he's confused, he's lost, he's self-loathing. He's probably got a lot of resentment, a lot of anger. A lot of, just a, a lot of very bad things are happening in his head. And that is what has compelled him to announce you know, to, to, to identify this way and make this announcement. Um, and, and so that should lead to a person like this getting help, but they don't because the schools and parents and doctors, they don't take the gender fluid identification as the massive red flag that it is. Instead, they take it as an expression of some deep inner truth. So when the kid says, oh, I'm gender nonconforming, I'm, I'm gender you know, non-binary, uh, they they don't say oh 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 my gosh I mean this kid's got got some serious issues we need we need to we need to take this seriously instead they say oh oh look at, he's got it no he's got it all figured out he's isn't this a beautiful thing he, he's he's figured himself out he knows who he is he's living his truth and so all of this is just neglected and. Um, whether it leads to a school shooting or not, it, does, it, it cannot lead anywhere good. And that, I think, is the connection here. All right, we'll move uh, to California, where there's some news out of California that's uh, uh, getting some attention this week. Um, in fact, uh, an alleged hate crime occurred in, in California, if you can believe it. 
And here's a local news reporting on this alleged hate crime. Let's watch. In other news at 10, disturbing video from San Pedro where a man wakes up to find his newly painted sports car vandalized with racist slurs and a swastika. And the victim says it is not the first time people of color have been targeted in his neighborhood. KTLA's Rick Chambers live in San Pedro with a story you'll see only on 5. Rick. Yeah, Micah, while other vehicles in this man's neighborhood have also been vandalized in recent months, this one seemed more race-based and personal. And as you mentioned, it apparently has happened before. Uh, I couldn't believe that this happened to me in San Pedro. Reginald Scott is referring to the vandalism on his car. Sometime between Christmas and New Year's, somebody spray-painted his Mustang using swastikas and the N-word. They also slashed his tires. He says it might be a racial threat for parking in front of someone else's home. Even if you're parked where you're not supposed to be, I don't think that gives you the right to spray paint on somebody's car and call them a racial slur. That's, that's, that's hurtful. It's just wrong because they flatten his tires, they damage it, and it's just something that you don't want to see every day because, you know, what if that could have been my vehicle? And Reginald Scott claims that this has happened twice before. Somebody set his truck on fire two years ago, and then... Uh, during Halloween, they kept my truck tires and sprayed some stuff all over it to where I didn't... This is starting to up, and then we starting to get um, scared being around here. So much so that he keeps his son close by and says that his wife now is scared. She don't want the doors to uh, be unlocked. She don't want to... Uh, she pretty much uh, is on high alert. The Scots say that they filed a police report, but now after 20 plus years in San Pedro, it might be time to relocate. If you think you'd like to help the Scott family, you can go to our website at ktla.com. We will have a link to their GoFundMe page there. In San Pedro, I'm Rick Chambers. Guys, I'll throw it back to you in the studio. There it is. I was waiting for it. Uh, the GoFundMe page. Uh, of course, <laughs> of course they have a GoFundMe page. What do you need funds for? Because someone spray painted your car? Like maybe I guess to get a paint job? Is that all? Are they just are they just gonna raise a couple hundred bucks to get a new paint job? Something tells me probably not. Oh no, they need to go, they need uh, uh, they need more money than that, just because it'll make them feel better. The only thing, the only thing that can that can heal the emotional trauma is cold hard cash. That's the one thing that could do it. You know, the kid is right. Um, but what the kid said there, I think is right. He makes a good point that just because someone parks in your spot, that doesn't give you the right to spray paint racial slurs on his car. As tempting as it might be when someone parks in your spot, you know, to vandalize their car, uh, you don't have the right to do that. And and I would agree with that. And allegedly these, uh, this, this um, vandal spray painted you couldn't really see it in the report there, but it was Merry Christmas N-word, but they didn't say N-word. And then also they spray painted a swastika on the car. And I don't know if you noticed, but they actually blurred out the swastika in the report, because God forbid you can act, you actually see the swastika. They won't let you, so they blurred that out, but they, it, was, it was a swastika and um, Merry Christmas N-word. And I think we, do we have the pictures? Pull up, just, just pull up the swastika and, and that's the one I, we need to see. Um, Okay, there it is. We'll keep that up on the page there because now, first of all, 
this is exactly what you would expect in the Nazi hotspot of San Pedro, California. A place where, where this man, and this man alone apparently, has repeatedly been targeted by Nazis. I don't know why they're only picking on him and nobody else. I don't know what it is. But these are not, it's very interesting though, because these are Nazis who, who oddly enough, I mean, they're so dedicated to Nazism that they're committing a hate crime that would land them in federal prison for years. I mean, if you really did something like this and you were caught, which you would easily be caught, by the way. I mean, if you did this in the middle of some neighborhood, people have ring cameras and security cameras. And it'd be pretty easy to find out who did it. And you're going to go to federal prison. I mean, they're going to come down hard on you. So these are Nazis who are so, but they're so dedicated to their Nazi principles that they said it's worth it. I'll go to I'll go to federal prison for 10 years just to put the swats to go in the car. But then at the same time, they're that dedicated to Nazism, but they're also so clueless about Nazism that they don't know how to draw a swastika. Because that ain't it. Now, I know this is one of those things where you really can't win. Like if you're correcting someone's swastika, uh, I, I'm not I'm not trying to claim that I'm the swastika expert here, but um that is not actually what a swastika looks like. And, uh, well, that's not a Nazi swastika anyway. That is, that's actually closer to the ancient Hindu symbol that the Nazis took the swastika from. So maybe the perpetrator is Hindu. Who knows? Maybe this is a Hindu person fresh off the boat who's legitimately trying to be friendly and it, it, but something's been lost in translation. I mean, he did say Merry Christmas. Now, you know, of course the media is reporting on this alleged hate crime as fact uh, without a hint of skepticism, even though, like, literally every case like this for the last 20 years has been a hoax. I mean, I mean, every single one. And you could correct me if I'm wrong, but has there been a case of someone spray painting the N-word or a swastika and it didn't turn out to be done by the person who's claiming to be the victim? Has there been one case like that in 20 years? I don't think so. Um, so every single case is a hoax, but the media reports this. They don't even say allegedly. They're just like, yep, it happened. This one, this, this one, all the other ones maybe not, but this one really happened. And look, I'm not saying, and I can't for legal reasons at this point say that this is definitely a hoax. Um, you know, it's not, it's not impossible that this guy was really targeted by San Pedro Nazis. It is possible. Like it's logically, technically, from a philosophical perspective, possible. You know, people say when pigs fly, right, when they're trying to indicate that something didn't happen. It's like, oh, when pigs fly. But, but, you know, it's logically possible for pigs to fly. I mean, th th there's nothing impossible about it. It's not like a square circle or a married bachelor. You know, these are logical contradictions, and so they're therefore philosophically impossible. Uh, but, but there is a possible universe where pigs fly, you know, and, 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 and where a San Pedro Nazi vandalizes a car. There's even a possible universe where a flying Nazi pig vandalizes a car. I mean, that, that is also possible. And I'll go so far as to say this, to this guy's credit, 
if we do, and you know, the, the uh, theoretical physicists and the atheists, they all speculate that we live in a multiverse with trillions of realities playing out simultaneously in different dimensions. And, um, and, and if that's true, then I will even say that probably in one of those realities, this guy's story is true. You know, of the trillions of universes, there's probably one where he really, this car really was vandalized by a Nazi. It's just that that's almost certainly not what happened in this reality. In this reality, like, we all know that this is almost certainly a hoax. Because, again, it always is a hoax. And it's so bad at this point and so obvious that as soon as the story is reported, every single comment now, I mean, you go on Twitter or go to the page with it. Every comment is like, okay, Jesse, yeah, all right. So these things happen, and everyone except the journalists reporting on it know exactly what it is the moment they hear about it. They know exactly what it almost certainly is the moment they hear about it. Um, but we'll see. You know, this might be... 20 years without a real uh, without a real hate crime like this, maybe this will be the first one. And as I said, it'd be very easy, you know, uh, it's, it's, it would not be hard to find, especially again, in San Pedro, like there's, there's probably only one white guy on the entire block. And I don't want to cast aspersions on that one white guy. I'm just saying that like, there's probably only like one guy who could, who could even possibly be, which at least narrows down the search a little bit. Um, all right. Well, you know what? I, I should correct myself because not there can be black Nazis. Uh, one of them is uh, Dave Chappelle. I'm told. They, you know, we talked about Dave Chappelle's uh, recent, um, most recent stand-up special on Netflix, where he has a, another joke about trans people, and the Daily Wire has some reporting on the backlash against this, which, as you expect, there's some backlash. Uh, comedian Dave Chappelle is once again facing backlash from leftist critics for making jokes about the trans community in his newest Netflix comedy special. The outrage stems from comments Chappelle made in The Dreamer, which was released on December 31st. A reviewer from Rolling Stone complained about Chappelle being obsessed with trans people. Marlo Stern wrote, quote, It's unfortunate that Chappelle's The Dreamer is, like some of his prior Netflix specials, obsessively fixated on the trans community because it's not an area he particularly excels at, resorting to puerile premises and punchlines. Um, he added, quote, there are, of course, ways to artfully tell a trans joke. Take Michelle Wolf's recent Netflix special, It's Great to Be Here. But Chappelle, yeah, right. I, I, look, I haven't seen Michelle Wolf's trans joke, that her artful trans joke. Uh, something tells me it's not hilarious. Uh, but he says, but Chappelle is apparently incapable of having most of his bits extend beyond mocking genitalia or pronouns. It's not just tired, but uninspired. Variety editor William Earle agreed that Chappelle has an obsession with mocking trans people and suggested he should try some new material. Sean McCarthy said Dave Chappelle's new Netflix special proves he's learned nothing. It feels so frustrating to sit and watch comedians with the stature of Chappelle and Gervais devote so much of their time and energy to bullying the LGBTQ plus community uh, when they could be doing something else on stage. And then they have the temerity to question us, the audience, for not laughing with them. The temerity. The temerity. How dare he? 
Um, you, you notice the strategy that they're taking now because they know, you know, they, I, I think that they have at least the minimal self-awareness to realize how lame they look when they complain about jokes. I, I do think, and I know to accuse the left of having any self-awareness is uh, I'm going out on a bit, a bit of a limb there, but I, I, I do think that they realize um, kind of what that looks like. And, you know, you don't want to be on the side that's always complaining about jokes. And for a long time, the left wasn't. You know, it is true that if you went back 30 years, and if you, you go back 30 years ago, and you had no other context, and you heard that there was a stand-up special that had caused controversy, and people were complaining about it and were offended, 30 years ago, without knowing anything else, you could probably assume that it was like conservatives that were offended by whatever was said. Um, but that has completely flipped on its head now, and I think and the left realizes that. And the more that they are in that position, the lamer and less cool they seem. Uh, so now they've tried to, yeah, they're offended, but they've tried to, they're taking this approach of, uh, uh, no, I'm not offended. I just think it's, it's just boring. I'm bored by it. Talk about something else. These, these, these what was it? These jerk jokes are puerile. These are ju- juvenile, these juvenile punchlines. Um, now, of course, they're saying he should get new material and talk about something else. I mean, first of all, uh, he, he does talk about many other things. Like a Dave Chappelle a stand-up special is going to be an hour long. And maybe in an hour, he'll tell one joke about trans or two, which will take up like three minutes of a, of a 60-minute special. It's the left and the media, like, it's their choice to focus only on that part of it. Um, because, of course, they are the ones who are obsessed with that issue. But, but also, like, there are plenty of black comedians who 98% of their material is making fun of and complaining about white people. You know, it's not every black comedian, but there's plenty of black comedians where that, that's almost the entire thing. It's like 30, they have a career that spans 30 years and almost every moment of it is spent on white versus black jokes and and that's it. And something tells me you're never going to hear Rolling Stone say about a black comedian who's who's joking about white people, hey, find some other material. Come on, is this all you got? Just talking about white people all the time? No, it's... um, Trans, it's, it's, but when they when when the when the gaze is turned to trans people, even just for a brief moment, uh, that's when it's too much. I mean, and 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 they act as though Dave Chappelle is doing entire specials on nothing but the trans stuff. Which, by the way, he could do. I mean, there's enough material you could do easily, and you could have an hour long set where you do nothing but make fun of these people, and that 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 would be quite easy to do. Um, because you, you know why, you know, if you're a trans activist or in the media, you're upset about this. Do you want to know why, uh, someone like Chappelle continually mocks the trans stuff? Well, it's because it happens to be the craziest thing happening in our culture right now. That's why it gets 
it, it actually should be it, it it should be talked about and made fun of quite a bit more than it is. Because if you are to look around at our culture to try to find the most mockable parts of it, well, right there, I mean, that that takes the cake. It's not just the most absurd. Here's the thing: the trans agenda. It's not just the most absurd thing happening in our culture right now. It's the most absurd thing that's ever happened in the history of the planet. Okay, the whole history of the human race. This is the most absurd and ridiculous thing that's ever occurred. And so, yes, there are at least a few, a few stand-up comedians who have noticed that and can point to it and say, that's pretty funny. And the other reason that I think Chappelle comes back to it also is that uh, you believe that you should be exempt from mockery. And there are at least a few stand-up comedians left who realize that the people who think they should be exempt from mockery are the ones who should be mocked the most. Just out of principle. All right. Um... You know, I woke up to huge news this morning, and uh, first thing I saw when I went on Twitter, well, there were two things trending when I went on. The first thing in the morning I saw, uh, Miami Mall and aliens. And I knew immediately what that meant. I didn't need to do any more research. I, I saw it, and I was like, okay, well, aliens landed, and they went to a mall in Miami. Obviously, it's what happened. And sure enough, that is exactly what happened. And we have evidence, we have proof, and we'll get to it. But here's the report from Newsweek. Uh, An incident at a Miami shopping mall, which resulted in the arrest of four teenagers earlier this week, has sparked the spread of a bizarre, this is their word, bizarre, theory on social media, which suggests that the alleged presence of aliens at the Florida establishment. More than 60 police cars swarmed the Bayside Marketplace in downtown Miami on Monday night to shut down a fight involving a group of teenagers who were also throwing fireworks at each other in the open-air shopping mall. Four teenagers were arrested in connection to the incident. According to the uh, suspect's arrest reports mentioned by the television station, the juveniles were causing a riot inside the mall and causing panic. Okay, so that's the official story, that there was a fight at a mall. (laughs) When's the last time you heard of a fight at a mall? In Miami, of all places? I don't think so. So immediately you hear that, you think, something else is going on here. That doesn't sound right. And... That's when you go and you're, well, where where am I going to find the truth? I'm not going to find it from these corporate media outlets. Uh, So I got to go to TikTok. And TikTok is on the case. Various independent journalists on TikTok um, have been reporting that, in fact, there were giant aliens at the mall. And and that's what caused the disturbance. So here's one video from uh, a woman on TikTok who's kind of breaking it all down and giving us the, the, the basic facts of the case. Let's watch that. The Miami police was not dispatched there for a juvenile fight. And the obvious need for such an enormous police presence was far more sinister than what we've been told. As multiple witnesses claimed to have seen, I can't believe I'm going to say this, creatures that stood 8 to 10 feet tall, walking outside and even inside of the mall. And the pew-pews that were reported, and even the pew-pews you might hear in some of the videos, had nothing to do with the juvenile fight. According to these witnesses, it was actually the mall goers shooting to protect themselves from these eight to 10 foot tall creatures in self-defense. Now, that's all you need to hear, really. 10 foot tall aliens at the mall, people shooting at them. She told you about it. That's it. Why would she lie about it? Why would this woman, whoever she is, 
lie about this. There's no reason that I can think of. And so it's, it's essentially impossible that she lied. But if you are skeptical and you're saying, oh, well, she wasn't there. Um, okay, well, let's listen to someone who was there and gives an eyewitness report of what he encountered. Um, and this is pretty disturbing, I warn you, but let's listen to what he has to say. Since nobody's going to talk about it, I figured, you know, it, like, you know what I'm saying? I was, uh, I was down in Miami for uh, the New Year's, you know what I'm saying? Me and my girl, I got a little time share. We was down there on a, um, like a mini vacay, you know, just to start the New Year's off right. So anyway, we, had, we happened to be at that mall. So um, we had Foot Lock or whatever. Next thing you know, you start hearing all this commotion outside, sound like fire, like firecrackers or something. So, you know what I'm saying? I, you know, I grab her clothes. I'm like, yo, we're about to get up out of here because, I, you know, I, I originally thought that they were shooting. Saying, I thought, you know, some type of um, gunfight had broke out, whatever the case is, because you know we're not familiar with Miami, we're not familiar with the city. So I'm like, damn, I ain't even got my blick, so, you know what I'm saying, we about to, we about to, about to swerve. Next thing I know, it's like crazy, like we just see all these people running, like, you know, uh, fat, fat, fat chicks, you know, old ladies, like, I'm talking about moving, you know what I'm saying, like, yo, old people even move, I'm talking about moving. So, you know, my girl, she's like, what's going on? Like, that we out, like, I'm not gonna ask no questions, we just gonna follow the crowd. Next thing you know, you know, real, like, gunshots start going off. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, we trying to, we trying to follow the, follow the crowd, get out of there. I look back, I look back, no cap, yo. No cap, I look back, it looked like, 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 a big-ass shadow. But it was solid at the same time, like a few, like a few shadows. But they were solid at the same time. And it, it, it almost looked like they was coming our direction, like they was chasing us. There it is. No cap. He said it himself, no cap. And you might think, oh, this is cap. But he's saying, no, it's not. There's no, sans cap. There's no cap. And uh, 10 foot tall alien shadows, shadow aliens have landed. And they went to Foot Locker. Um, Think about it. The thing that really sticks out to me about his testimony is he said that fat chicks were running. And now, you tell me, why else would a fat chick run? Have you ever seen a fat chick run? If they were in the habit of running, they wouldn't be fat. So you think, well, why would they be running? Were they giving free samples at Cinnabon? That'd be one reason. Cinnabon doesn't give free samples. Okay, I've asked. So that's out. You narrow down the list. Must be aliens. Now, I will say I've been told that the guy who made that video has since come out and said that it's a hoax and he didn't, he didn't really see anything. But that, that just proves even more because they got to him. He, you know, he said what he saw, and then later comes out and says, oh, I was just kidding. <laughs> yeah, right. Of course he would say that after he gets the knock on the door, you know, and the, the, the SUV pull up. And they tell him, you better, you better take that back, mister. That's what the FBI probably said. But here's the part where you're saying, oh, well, if there were really aliens at the mall, why didn't anyone get them on video? And I, I hate this talking point because I've talked about this before. You know, th- this idea that, well, why is there a video? Do you really think that if you were being chased by 10-foot-tall shadow aliens from Neptune or whatever, that you would take a second to pull your phone out? You're running for your life. You've left your footlocker purchases behind. You haven't even taken those. And you're going to have time. You're going to think wait, while you're, you're going to backpedal while you're running? That doesn't make any sense. But as it happens, someone did get the aliens on film. So this uh, particular video has gone 
gone viral and where you can actually see, let's play this. You can actually see the, the aliens. You can see them somewhere. Oh, right there. Look at that. Was that it? Yeah, that was it. So, okay, I think that, well, we only need to see it once. Did, did you, someone who, who apparently had a camera phone, it's like this person happened to have the first camera phone ever made in history. And, uh, and but they got footage of, of an alien. And he's like this, this smudge. He's a, he looks like a smudge. It's a smudge alien. Uh, and the other guy said it's a shadow alien. So these are, the aliens themselves are blurry. That kind of answers the question of why, why every time we see an alien on camera, they're blurry. It's because the aliens are literally blurry themselves. Last question you ask is, well, why do the aliens go to the mall? Seems like an odd place for, to go. That's not hard to explain. Think about it. You've been in a spaceship for thousands of years, probably. Uh, you just land here. You, they probably need to pick up some supplies. Like they need to get out, stretch their legs, and uh, they need to pick up some supplies. Like they probably like toiletries, um, maybe a quick snack. There's probably an alien who forgot his jacket. You know, I know with my kids, we go on a trip, and, the, and as soon as we get there, there's always at least one kid who's like, oh, I forgot a shoe. So you're not both shoes, but you forgot one shoe. I don't have my jacket. And so you got you to go, what do you have to do? You have to go to the mall because you don't know where else to go. And you go to the mall and you have to buy this thing. So I could see something like that might have happened with these aliens. And next thing you know, they're being shot at. Um, and, uh, and so what was a peaceful jaunt to uh, the mall by these aliens has now become the beginning of uh, the destruction of our planet. Uh, thankfully. So those are the facts. Let's get to the comment section. You're a man, it's required that you grow a beard. Hey, we're the sweet baby gang. First comment says, Jordan Peterson gives the best response to these anti-human overpopulation doomsayers. If you think there are too many people, there's a very easy solution to that. You could leave. Not surprisingly, they tend to change their tune once that obvious fix is presented to them. Um, yeah, I, you know, I've also made the same, the same point. It's kind of an obvious point that if you really believe there are too many people on the planet, uh, then you can take matters into your own hands and you can kill yourself. I'm not, I don't want you to, I'm not telling you to, I think suicide's a terrible tragedy and no one, it should never happen. But if you actually believe that, and if there are mass amounts of people who really believe that, then, like, that is a step you can take. No one does. Like, you never hear when people commit suicide, tragically. You never hear anyone doing it because they're trying to solve overpopulation, though. No, instead they say, no, 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 I don't want to die. Well, let's kill the babies, though. You know, let's kill the babies. and the, We'll kill them. Not me. Because, as uh, and I think it was Chesterton or C.S. Lewis, one of them, said that, you know, when, you, when you're talking about overpopulation, it's like these, and I'm paraphrasing, but the people that talk about it, they, they never include themselves in the in the over category, right? You know, they're they are population, and the over is uh, is everyone else, especially kids. Um, 
Next one says, just finished watching the latest episode. Dinks at this point just irritate me. I don't care how much money I spend on my child. It will never take away the joy I see in my daughter's face when I get her something. Thank you, dad is the best. Even if I just work for them, I'll sacrifice. Um, yeah, that's, you know, I, I, we talked about how when it comes to the, the dinks and people advocating childlessness and all they ever do is talk about the money. And all they ever do is, is, is the only thing. Their, their whole case centers around, oh, you have money, more money. You won't have to spend as much money. And as I pointed out, that's, that's first of all, they exaggerate that aspect of it. That's not the most important aspect at all of that we should be talking about. But you bring up an interesting point, which is that, you know, when you become a parent, you actually discover something that I think when you're not a parent is like you can't even imagine, which is that. You, there's actually joy to be found in spending money on someone else. Now, not all the time. Like there are plenty of times when it's frustrating as a parent when you just see you make money and you just see it fluttering out the door. And uh, you know when we or when my wife goes to the grocery store and buys like seven boxes of cereal and cereal these days, you know it's like ninety dollars a box or whatever. And she buys seven boxes of cereal and puts them in the pantry. And the next day, they're all gone. Like, somehow these kids, I don't know how it's possible. How did you eat that much cereal in a day? What is happening? So there's that kind of thing where it becomes frustrating. I don't find a lot of joy in that. But generally, uh, there is joy to be found in providing for your family. And, um, and I think if you're not a parent, you can't even, I, I could say when I was a parent, I, I couldn't. I really, I couldn't even conceive of what that would be like to actually enjoy, you know, giving something to someone else in, in, in that real kind of deep sense. Um, but of course, these dinks, they, they don't understand that. Uh, Matt, in Canada, at least in BC, dink means penis. It always has. Every time you say someone is a dink, you're just calling it like it is and I can't contain my glee. Is that true? Gotta, I have to look that up, but I don't want to. Someone else look it up. Is dink slang for penis in Canada? Like, I always knew it had to mean something like that. It just doesn't, it's got to be, it, 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 that's what it sounds like. It sounds like it means that. And, and they are, they apparently enjoy being called giant penises. Okay, it's just been confirmed that it is true, that dink means penis. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's good. What did that guy say? He said, <laughs> wait a second. We got to go back to that clip. Didn't that guy say he fell in love? The Dink said he fell in love. He, he, he fell in love with Dink. That's what, he, that's what he said. He said he fell in love with penis. I, I'm not saying he said, that's what he said. We got married fairly young and we both just decided for many reasons we didn't want kids. And then at some point we heard the acronym Dink and I think just really fell in love with it. You know, you see the nose ring on a man and you just know that's the kind of man who falls in love with Dink. Um, yeah, we'll just, we'll just stop there. Actually, I think that's enough. Uh, we'll, just, we'll stop and let that process. It's no question that we are living in a clown world. The characters in power are straight out of a carnival. Basic notions of right and wrong, justice, truth, and even reality itself have been thrown out the window. The world is coming to an end, so how are we to make sense of it? Join Jonathan Pajot in the new four-part series, End of the World. 
as he explains why the world as we know it is ending, how to survive it, and how we can plant the seeds for the next world today. Jonathan Pajot is an icon carver, public speaker, YouTuber, and good friend of Jordan Peterson. You might remember Pajot from his profoundly illuminating comments in Jordan's series on Exodus. Well, now he's back and will draw up upon his uh, deep knowledge of Christian tradition, stories, mythology, and history to explain the contradictions in our society, wacky phenomena, and how this pattern will reach its conclusion. In the end of the world, you receive a thoughtful framework to make sense of these confusing times and a roadmap to lead us out of the clown world and restore order. All episodes are available now exclusively on Dailywire Plus. If you haven't become a member, this is the perfect time. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe, unmask the carnies, and see beyond the end. Watch End of the World today. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. Well, Madonna recently embarked on her new global tour called Celebration. And indeed, the tour is an opportunity to celebrate her musical career, which effectively died 25 years ago and yet has lingered on in zombified form, horrifying and confusing spectators all the while. As far as I can tell, she has not had a number one single since the tail end of the Clinton administration. She hasn't been even vaguely relevant on the music scene at any point this century. The last time she made headlines was when she kissed Britney Spears at the VMAs in 2003. Way back then, she had already entered into her desperate attention whore phase, grasping for relevance in whatever way she could. And 20 years later, Britney Spears is now dancing half-naked on Instagram with butcher knives, and Madonna looks like a geriatric Marilyn Manson still trying to be a sex symbol, even though she's been AARP eligible for a half, you know, a decade and a half. And um, anyway, now she's on tour. Now, there's, there's nothing wrong with a 65-year-old singer going on tour. Um, Aretha Franklin was still performing at the age of 75 before she died. But, but a 65-year-old a woman should perform like a 65-year-old woman. Classy, refined, mature, dignified, dazzling with a beautiful vocal performance rather than relying on sex appeal. The problem, was, though, is that Madonna can't sing and she can't write good music, and she wouldn't know classiness and refinement if it fell out of the sky and landed on her head, which means that the people who buy tickets for the Celebration Tour, and for the life of me, I can't understand why anyone would, are in for an incredibly cringy display. And however cringy you think it might be, I assure you that it's even worse than that. So case in point, here's a 12-second viral clip from Madonna's latest uh, stop on her tour, and uh, here's what it looks like. Now, if you're wondering what a wreck time at the nursing home will look like in the year 2070, there it is. And for those who are blessed to only be listening to the audio podcast and were therefore spared the visuals, I will just tell you that Madonna appears to be wrapped in aluminum foil while she clings onto a support rail and gyrates clumsily to techno music. And, you know, it's kind of like if you brought your elderly aunt to a rave and she got way more into it than you expected. It, it's, it's an embarrassing sight to behold, but also oddly fascinating in the same grotesque way that, you know, you might gawk at roadkill while you drive by trying to figure out, like, is that a raccoon or a fox? What is that? And by the way, this is a good time to tell you that, and, and I did check for myself, um, Madonna's next stop is in Boston in three days, 
And uh, you might think, well, it's in three days. There's no way I can go. All the seats are going to be, all the tickets are sold out. No, there are plenty of seats still available. In fact, you can buy a ticket for 60 bucks. You can buy a ticket for $60 to Madonna's tour in three days. Um, you know, people were like literally killing each other over Taylor Swift's tickets or buying them for $95,000. Uh, but Madonna, you can go see for 60 bucks. Shockingly, people are not tripping over themselves to go watch grandma in Zumba class for two hours. But needless to say, if, if you find this spectacle ridiculous, then uh, the problem isn't with the aging pop star throwing her hip out while she tries to twerk on stage. Uh, the problem is with you. You are ageist, according to the media. The Independent reports today, quote, Madonna is being defended from ageist trolls after a video showing the singer performing while holding a beam for support surfaced online. Earlier this week, a clip from the like a Prayer Singer Celebration Tour was shared on TikTok showing the star 65 dancing energetically while holding a pole positioned behind her. Now let's pause there for a moment. Um, and I can tell you it's never a good sign when the best thing someone can say about your dance moves is that they were energetic. Like if you perform a dance routine and you go up to someone and you say, hey, what'd you think? And they respond, yeah, wow, it was... Uh, Energetic. I mean, that means you sucked, okay? Anyway, the, the, the Independent continues. Many trolls then proceeded to incorrectly conflate Madonna's decision to hold the rail for support with her age and sent her messages of vitriol online. However, it has since been revealed that during this particular segment of the show, Madonna is dancing while standing on a moving platform, meaning she is holding the pole for her safety. Oh, well, that changes everything. The 65-year-old woman needed to hold the pole while she danced for her safety. That solves that, I guess. People Magazine reports that other aging musicians are coming to Madonna's defense. Quote, Chuck D is coming to Madonna's defense. On Thursday, the public enemy frontman 63 posted to X uh, to defend the Frozen singer 65. Um, by the way, Frozen singer is like, I guess that's a song. That's what they mean. It's not, they don't mean that she's like literally frozen, like cryogenically frozen, although she does sort of look like she has been. Uh, anyway, defend against trolls making ageist comments about her performance during her career-spanning celebration tour. He said, quote, at 63, I know I can bike better than I ever did, and Pilates ain't easy, but I give it to Madonna for pushing the bars, D said of the legendary pop star. Uh, Flavor Flav is taking Pilates too, and he's 64, so ageism sometimes gets like racism both ways if you let it. Ageism sometimes get, gets like racism both ways if you let it. I think Chuck D had a stroke when he wrote that last sentence. I don't know what that means. But you see, the point is, it is ageism to notice how ridiculous an older woman looks when she tries to pretend that she's still 22. Uh, and Madonna herself has made this point many times. A few months ago, she appeared at the Grammys, and her face, if you remember, was so weird and puffy from plastic surgery that she looked like she'd been attacked by a swarm of bees shortly before appearing on stage. And again, people noticed how weird she looked, and she responded by calling them ageist. The Guardian reported at the time, quote, the 64-year-old singer denounced the entertainment industry for its biases, biases against women who have continued to work long into their careers. Quote, once again, I am caught in the glare of ageism and misogyny that permeates the world we live in, a world that refuses to celebrate women past the age of 45 and feels the need to punish her if she continues to be strong-willed, hardworking, and adventurous. She said that she has, quote, Never apologize for any of the creative choices I have made, nor the way that I look or dress, and I'm not going to start. 
I've been degraded by the media since the beginning of my career, but I understand that this is all a test and I'm happy to do the trailblazing so that all the women behind me can have an easier time in the years to come. Yes, thank you for trailblazing, Madonna. You have blazed a trail that other women can follow so that they too can become addicted to Botox and end up looking like the creepy puppet from Saw. How brave of you. Now, as for the ageism claims, um, let me just say one thing. We are not an ageist society. We are the opposite. We are an age-denying society. And, and that's how you end up with 65-year-old pop stars and 80-year-old presidents and a Congress filled with people who took office sometime around the, the War of 1812. You know, it's also why plastic surgery is a booming industry, especially among Gen, Gen Z. You know, in Gen Z, I mean, they are actually young, but in their desperation to stay young, they get lip filler and Botox and lifts and implants. And ironically, they end up looking a lot older. They end up looking like middle-aged Stepford wives. Um, ageism is not even close to our problem. Our problem is our refusal to age and to accept the reality of aging. Madonna is just, she is too old to be gyrating on stage in a skin-tight aluminum leotard. And we can argue about whether anyone of any age should be behaving that way, but there's no question that for her, at her age, she looks pathetic and clumsy and ridiculous. Now, and it's not that a 65-year-old woman can't be beautiful. No, a 65-year-old woman can be beautiful, but a beautiful 65-year-old woman is a 65-year-old woman who knows that she is 65 and embraces the fact. You know, beauty and truth go hand in hand. But when you are not honest with yourself and the world about who you are, you end up looking not beautiful, but weird and grotesque. Just like there are plenty of 25-year-old women who would be beautiful and were beautiful, but then they defiled themselves with unnecessary plastic surgery, and now they, too, look weird and grotesque. You know, aging is a reality of human existence. And we find this reality scary, almost unspeakable, really, because it reminds us of death. I mean, we treat it as literally unspeakable. Like, it's, it's embarrassing to ask, ask someone their age, right? We, we say you shouldn't ask someone. Someone's age is an embarrassing fact, and we take that for granted. Well, you know, in, in traditional societies, you go back to their history, if you went up to someone and asked them how old they were, they wouldn't be, oh, that's, a, I, I don't, oh, you know, I'm, I'm 25. I've been celebrating my 25th birthday for 30 years now. They wouldn't do that. They'd be proud of their age. If somebody was 75, they would say, I'm 75. They'd be proud of it because it means they've been alive for 75 years. But here we treat it as actually embarrassing to have lived a long life. It's ridiculous. And the reason is that we are in a constant state of denial about death. You know, we say things like age is just a number, but, but that's only true in the same sense that height is just a number or the temperature outside is just a number. No, we come up with numbers to symbolize these realities, but they are still realities. We could stop keeping track of age altogether. We could assign it no number at all. And that wouldn't change the fact that we all get older one second at a time and eventually our, our bodies start to break down and our minds start to break down and then we die. That is the lot that we have been given. Happiness and harmony and beauty can be found in accepting it and acting accordingly. So the most beautiful thing that Madonna could do right now 
is retire and go home and put on some slippers and sit on her porch and read books to her grandchildren. Let the wrinkles form on her face. Let the hair go gray. Let herself be who she is. And she is not a 22-year-old pop star. She was that once. She will never be that again. Time to accept it. And until she does, she is, again, canceled. That'll do it for the show today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Talk to you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Godspeed.